Good morning, everyone, and we welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, and our subject this morning is substance, and we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from the Bible, the Blue Book, and Science and Health. From Luke 15. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Man's substance is in mind and cannot be impoverished. There is no poverty, no lack. And science and health, divine love always has met and always will meet every human need. It is not well to imagine that Jesus demonstrated the divine power to heal only for a select number or for a limited period of time, since to all mankind and in every hour, divine love supplies all good. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. Before we do the watching point today, I, I wanted to mention something. I had to make a correction from last week. We talked about Herbert Eustace and the great litigation. And I know it was said that that he was appointed to the board of trustees by Mrs. Eddy. And that was false, actually. He, he was appointed to the board of trustees in 1912 which was two years after she passed, and, and he was appointed by the other trustees at that time. And just a few interesting things I thought of, that I found out about him. Um, there is a website, herberteustace.com. Anyway, he was class taught by Edward Kimball, which I did know, under Mrs. Mary Baker Eddy's instructions. And it said that he met every condition of Mrs. Eddy's prophecies about successor as revelator. He certainly saw who and what and she is. And he was also English. Um, he was from England. He traveled to the far west. Of course, he was in California. And his family line was of the Anglican Church of the Church of England for all those Brits out there. <laughs> and then when he got science and health, he, you know, he just couldn't put it down. He had a ranch out in California and he just said, after he finished reading the book, from that time, Christian science has filled my life with a greater and more eventful happiness than I could have ever deemed possible. It has truly proved to be the pearl of great price which when the seeker had found, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And he served um, 15 years in the San Jose Church for all our Californians, which we have many. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it said in 1902, Mr. Eustace attended the normal class in Christian science conducted by Edward A. Kimball, earning the degree of CSB, Bachelor of Christian Science, and became a teacher. <laughs> he became a trustee of the Christian Science Publishing Society in 1912. 
He was a trustee throughout the litigation years, 1918 to January 1922. And then in 22, he was excommunicated from the Christian Science Material Organization. But from there, Mr. Hustis taught and lectured without limits. His first book entitled The Line of Light was published in 1929. And then we know that he, he combined all his works into Christian Science's clear, correct teaching. And this I thought was interesting. When Mrs. Eddy sent Edward Kimball to teach Christian science classes, she would ask Mr. Kimball, who understands this? Many times the answer was in the negative, which meant nobody understood it. But finally, in a, in a later class, Mr. Kimball responded, Herbert Eustace. So, and it said too, during the litigation, a famous line, when the director's lawyers were pressuring Mr. Eustace to acknowledge the directors as the head of the church, the question was asked, who is the head of the Christian science movement? And Herbert Eustace answered simply, God. So he knew, he knew his metaphysics. And anyone who's read his book knows that he knew his metaphysics. And there's no question about that. So I just wanted to... Sam, sorry about. You, you corrected my mistake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I you. did. But <laughs> Gary is usually very good at remembering all these things. But I guess I told him it's like a fish story. <laughs> story gets a little bigger every time. <laughs> we have to make sure we take a refresher course. No, that, that was my bad. I thought he was one of the original trustees, but he was not. He yes. was appointed after she passed on. And really, the best biography is the beginning of his book which tells this whole story beautifully. Okay. Um, the watching point. Watch number 169. Watch that you remember that when Mrs. Eddy tells us desire is prayer, she does not say good desire. Mind is the source of all things and desire is the mold. It is possible to strive to gain a spiritual consciousness of mind and still retain a human desire. When a student wants to make a, when a student wants to make a financial demonstration, the desire for money is uppermost in his thought. He wants to use divine power to fill what he believes to be his need. But in reality, we never have a material need. We believe our need to be physical or material when it is actually mental and spiritual. The first step in demonstrating supply is to discover what the need really is. Man asks God to bless and grant his human desire only because he has not learned what, should, what he should really pray for. It is dangerous to cherish a human desire and seek to reflect God at the same time. Our growing consciousness of spiritual power may cause our desire to be granted before we have trusted God with it, so that it may be molded and exalted before it takes form in words and in deeds. Hence, its fulfillment may prove to be a deterrent. End quote. Wow, thank you. <clears throat> Comments on that? 
Well, I love this watch. Um, where it says, mind is the source of all things and desire is the mold. Years ago, there was an article in either the Sentinel or Journal, I can't remember. <clears throat> and I think it was by Doris Peel. That name keeps sticking in my thought. But there was a sentence in there that I have never forgotten. And I use it so much in regards to desire. And the, anyway, I just it's, it says, a desire is a space shaped to receive a precise dispensation of grace. And I just, I have used that over and over again. I just, uh, and this sentence in this reminded me of that, um, of that comment. And then where it says, um, we believe our need to be physical or material when it is actually mental and spiritual. That we're always physical, that the physical need of the body or a healing or financial, whatever. We seem to get focused, or I do. <laughs> on what the material need is rather than seeing that the real the need that is never what the need is. It's more mental and spiritual. It's the spiritual um, growth that needs to happen. And, and that's what we need to pray for. That's what I'm learning. Um, so I just, this, this watch has been really, really good for me. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Oh. When I first came here, the very first sentence that actually kind of made sense to me from science and health is, is that desire is prayer. And it made me think that, okay, a pure desire is prayer to God, but what's, what, what is an unpure desire? Who am I praying to? And it really started me looking at that to make sure that I am my prayer my desires are lining up with who I want to pray to. So mm -hmm. certainly don't want to. It, it makes sense after that, after realizing that, why things that I hoped for, <laughs> if they came true, why they were so bad eventually, why they came up. Yeah, that so brings it, it brings that out here too. It become proves to be a deterrent. That expression, be careful what you wish for or pray for. Mm -hmm. Um and it's interesting because you can't, I mean, if you pray for something that's not right, well, it is never granted by God. You might humanly, in a willful way, maybe, that's where New Age is so dangerous. Maybe it might come to you in some way. But again, it would not be a blessing at all. It wouldn't be. So we... That's why, what is it, your prayer's not answered because you pray on me? Yep, you thank you. Miss. You do. You don't ask what you really need. You might ask for what you want, but not for what you need. Who else on this? I think a funny, a funny practical example comes to thought is like when you want to get away from some job because you think, you're not making enough, but you're resenting being there so much. And an article said, why don't we pray more to be relieved of the resentment? <laughs> Instead of, I want more money, I want a promotion. Um, when we do more of what God wants, more in line with what, who we're supposed to be, who we are, you know, more patience maybe, 
being healed of impatience, resentment, anger with your colleagues and all those things. I think those should come first and then you'll see the reward abundantly. Thank you. That's a beautiful example of this. Yeah, that's really excellent because, you know, a human need does signify something, right? I mean, it signifies a need. But the point here is that if we have to recognize that the need is spiritual growth. And that's what a human need signifies. And when we turn to God to meet our needs, rather than turn to, you know, some other person or to some government organization or to something other than God, when we turn to God to meet the need, then God meets that need in the best way possible. And, and then when the, meet, the need is met in the best way possible, then it's, then it's clear to us at the time that God met the need. And if we are grateful to God for having met the need, <laughs> and if we don't get distracted by worshiping the thing instead of the source, if we continue to worship the source, well, God will bless it and will continue to give us what we need and will continue to give us stuff. He will, he will actually give us more than what we need because he will enable us to meet the needs of others. That is beautifully said. Thank you. That can be an article. That's, that's very well put. All, all, everything that's been said so far is very well put and said, and I'm so grateful. It shows you are getting the true understanding of the science. We, are, we might first come for the loaves and fishes, but that is not what is important. And if you think it is, you have not grown, and, and you'll have more experiences <laughs> until you learn the golden text Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's been almost our mantra here. That is what you seek. Um, and nothing, that's it. And when you really get that and, and find God and have the understanding of who and what he is, whatever your problems are, financial, physical, emotional, relationship problems, they just fall away because they were only false beliefs anyway. And then the understanding of who and what God is is so tremendous. You can never go back to just seeking the uh, physical manifestation of whatever it is because that is so um, unimportant, really, compared. And unsatisfying. And unsatisfying compared to your relationship with the Father. Well, if you, I, I just always think if you were paying attention before coming to Plainfield and saw how bad it was <laughs> and then came here and saw the difference and paid attention to that, then you'll see that this really works and this, it makes complete sense. So, yes. Sometimes when people come and then leave, I think, well, maybe they weren't paying attention before and now, they, now they'll really see it and they'll, they'll be back. So. Thank you. 
And that is so important. That's partly why we do the Wednesday services. Lest, lest ye forget. It's like Kipling. Don't forget what has been done. And I, I, I remember, oh, it doesn't take much for me to remember the hell I was in. And I was struck so today, or not today, this past week, I guess, it, it just overcame me. Even glancing at the news, <laughs> the tremendous gift, God's unspeakable gift we have been given, what else is going to meet the needs of mankind? We have it in the world. We have it, well, certainly in our own nation, everywhere. This, this week's lesson is on supply. We, as Christian scientists, know the true answer to supply. The true answer. It's in the lesson, all over it. It's, a, it's the art of metaphysical healing, I call it. It is the greatest gift that we could possibly have been given. And if you think you have anything more important to do or to learn, you should think again. Who, what is going to answer? I mean, what got me going on this was I read, I, I sent it to Carol. It was some, um, well, Animal magnetism calling itself communist China, saying they're going to come up with even worse plagues and things. Um, what else but science? Are we just always going to be scrambling around looking for the next vaccine? The answers are here. And sweethearts, they're not very many of us. And we all need to be like a, what, a Jedi <laughs> a, a Jedi <laughs> learning learning this science. You all need to become practitioners without exception, and you all are. And if you take this truth seriously, will be. Yeah, you can come here, Craigie. Um, so this is a solemn request. It, what what's going to be our future? We have to use this science to meet all the needs of mankind. And we're not this big mega church. We're just relatively few of us. Florence, were you going to speak? I was just reading some articles in the back there where they were praying, you know, it's like request to be praying for the enlightenment of all so that they, everyone will know, because that's all that's missing. If everyone knows that God, you know, the, the right sense of God, who he is everywhere, you could directly be in, in communion with him and all this. Uh, none of this other stuff will be less and less. So yes. yes, it's a tremendous power. And it, just knowing this truth, it will it will convert the world. And Mrs. Eddy says that that quote I used to read every week. But you know, if, the, if just a few of us here were in one mind, it'd be enough to convert the world. I have. Oh, it's right there. Oh, thank you. Um, we today in this classroom are enough to convert the world if we are of one mind. For then the whole world will feel the influence of this mind as when the earth was without form, and mind spake, and form appeared. Miscellaneous Writings 279. 
So this this is our work, and and it must be done. Please don't get distracted with materiality and the things of this world. This has to be done. The future of mankind, and it can be done, and it is being done. It is being done, and we can, um, as I like to say, change that course of history. That so these things that are talked about and perhaps predicted won't ever happen. Mrs. Eddy had her finger on everything. She knew exactly who's who and what's what and what's going on. And a lot of this, I, I truly believe she talked to her students in her home about it. And some of this is unpublished. And so we as well must keep abreast of the times and know who's who and what's what. And the only truly way to know that is how. Connected to God. Yes, it's God who tells us the past, present, and future, right? That was in last week's lesson. Involuntarily. Involuntarily. It, it'll just come. And there again, the blessings of this science, they are, they are, it's the unspeakable gift. So the art of, of healing and this week on supply. Now. I, I just wanted to say please. something once in a while I I think about everything that's going on, and I also think about how science teaches that time is an illusion. So I feel every every prayer ever is is still happening right now. Thank you. So, Absolutely, it is. I think that too. Every prayer. So we're not alone in it. No, <laughs> no. Everyone is. Everyone who's gone before us is with us now. And all those prayers. And that's true. You know, when a, when a practitioner gives a treatment, those prayers go on infinitum. They just keep going on. They don't stop just because you've, you don't have the help anymore, so-called help anymore. They keep going. How could they not? It's the power and truth of God. And that's why Jesus the Christ said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Yes. The end of world belief. That is. False, false beliefs, which are tumbling. People are going to find the false systems will fail. And, and we it, should rejoice in their failure, right? We it, should. Somebody wrote an article about that. It might be. It might seem hurtful at the time. It usually is, but that's because you have false trusts. When you learn, you know, you think, I keep going back to the story of Harriet, the movie. I mean, it was a terrible time. And yet her trust was entirely on God. And she not only lifted herself, she lifted many others and proved this point. And, and so it is. Joseph, all these people that have proved it in, in very, very hard times because their trust was in God. Um, yeah, and Parthens wrote about it on the forum about now being the accepted time. We don't think about tomorrow. Now, let's all do it now. Get yourself together now. Don't wait for some better season. Um, and Joe wrote about all the different things in the lesson, sort of teaching us how and what to do. And I thought, well, we certainly had the 23rd Psalm, but also I love Psalm 37. It's a list, and it tells you what to do and what will happen when you do it. 
Trust, trust in the Lord and do good. Are you doing that? And trust, the definition, confidence, a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, and in this case, of God. And do good. Are you doing that good? And then you shall dwell in the land, and verily shalt thou be fed. And then delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. We talked about the desires. So what is it to delight yourself in the Lord? Great gratitude for more things that mm -hmm. are coming and have, have come. Thank, Thank you. you. Worship the source, not the things. We have such joy doing this work here. It's a tremendous amount of joy. Well, exactly. And when God gives you something, when God answers your prayer, can there be any greater joy or confidence? That, it, Because what God gives, you can't lose. And when you, when you recognize that God gives you what you need, you don't fear losing it. Yes, that fear goes. You only fear it when you you know you did it by human means and ways. Then you fear and you've got all these gates around your house and you're suspicious of everybody that comes near you. <laughs> it's a horrible way to live. Yeah, and that's what Jeremiah 29 is all about in the lesson here. For God knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And he promises, ye shall seek me and find me when ye search for me with all your heart. And I think that's what this lesson is all about. We can't seek God half-heartedly. We can't seek him part of the time and then seek other things part of the time and, and succeed. We have well, that's worshiping both, right? Mammon and God. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can't serve two masters. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a job or go to work. For some of you that do, you just make sure that you, you're, he's your everything. You bring it to work. You, you bless everybody you come in contact with. You see God as your employer. You see God as the one who supplies you with every need. You don't see it. You don't get down into the nitty-gritty of it all. You, you. And when you see your business as God's business, and that you are an instrument of God. And when you have a job or a business or something, you're there to bless other people, period. And by the way, by the way, you get paid for it. <laughs> Go ahead, Florence. No, and all this is really obeying that law, God's law. I am all. So if we see God in everything we're doing and living, as he wants us to, period. That's it. That's it all. Yes. There's a lot of times in, in my shop, and I'll pray, like, somebody will come in or something, and uh, just learning to just immediately pray and say, you know, Lord, what, what does this person need today? 
what, um, how can I bless this person? And usually they come in with the world (laughs) dragging behind them and want to tell me all about it. And, you know, you can listen to some extent, but there's a point where you have to stop them and just give them a, a truth and then they let them sit on that for a while. And I've been practicing that in the shop and just really not <clears throat> not getting sucked into a conversation about everything going on, but just laying that one big truth out there. And then you see the person just kind of like they have nothing more to say <laughs> because they can't <laughs> fight against the truth. So I, I think in, in my business that uh, I really enjoy making sure that uh, – God is, is surrounding them and, you know, I, I knowing that God is there and God is there to bless them. And I'm so happy. Like I, I just get so overjoyed when, when they just get it, you know, and they, they leave with a smile on their face or they leave. And, and I know that they've been blessed by something that was happening, either their silent time where they could just sit and work on their projects. And I know you could see them thinking, you know, and that the information is coming in and, and it's like, yeah, I, I know God's talking to them. <laughs> you know, it, it's nice to have that. That's wonderful. That's a, another wonderful example. And for those of you who don't know, Luann has a little pottery shop near the Canadian border, upstate New York, which she pretty much built single-handedly. And it was a great desire of hers to, to bless others. And because of that, even through this pandemic time and everything, her business has been successful. In fact, it's grown, right? Yeah, it's, I've had more business than ever. And uh, we just, it, it, the, the rules and regulations, of course, you got to follow. And I lost a couple months, but I didn't lose any, any money or customers during the whole time. And they've just been wonderful and it's growing it's growing i have people coming all the time they just want to be there they've heard about it they just so it's sure they can't wait to get back to feel that love mm-hmm. that's it because it's 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 something very special because it's the love of christ the love of god sharing that so when you have that as your heart's desire that's delighting yourself in god in the lord and spending time, you know, people that tell me, oh, they just don't have time to pray or read the lesson or, well, <laughs> again, heard someone once say. We can't afford not to pray. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And, and all day. That's it. Pray without, that's our next liberator. Pray, pray unceasing prayer. Yeah, unceasing prayer. Yes. But if you want to have a best friend and say, well, I don't have any time to spend with you, well, Hello. <laughs> so you should delight. And I know most of you here do. You, you have to spend time. You have to get the reading and prayer time in every day. You couldn't live without it. It's so important. You delight yourself in that time. I love to walk into the print room because I see Carol's sitting there talking to God all the time, asking, you know, what I should do next and with the, with the magazine. She delights to spend time with God, and she does. And you can see it in her face because it's always bright and shining. It's not ever depressed and discouraged. And, and you can feel it in the finished product, you the can, magazine. Yes. And her always, 
her last question is, do I love it? Or do, yes, and if, if we all love it, then okay, it goes to print. Go ahead, Florence. No, I think it's a matter of, you know, learning to practice or to live this way, and then pretty soon you can't live without doing it. Um, that's how I felt. Yeah. It's, a, it's like breathing, eating, you can't live without it. It's just such a way of life. And I found that learning learning to pray more and, and, ha- and be in that state all the time actually eliminates so much extraneous stuff that you actually save time. And <laughs> oh, I always think of Mrs. Eddie telling uh, Judge Hannah when he said he was too busy, her answer was not to take work away, but to <laughs> give her more to do every day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I always love that. Pray for, for four hours. <laughs> yeah, four hours at least. Um, prayer is a time saver when you do it properly. You know, you'll you'll be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. I used to spend, <clears throat> I'm sure, hours thinking about what I was going to do. If you keep praying, things just come so easy, much easily and quicker than spend the time sitting there, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. That's so and true. And if it's, you know, if thinking is praying, we're thinking all, uh, 24-7. So, I mean, I guess except for when we're sleeping, but we're thinking most of the time. So just think rightly, and that would be prayer. Yes. Yes, that would be prayer. And the beautiful, um, in, in the lesson in Philippians, I've always loved that. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And in the Amplified Version, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. You got that? (laughs) About anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, which means definite requests, with thanksgiving, that's the big one, continue to make your wants known to God. So, that to me was translated, instead of worrying, Mary, pray with thanksgiving. And again, these Psalm 37. So we're delighting ourselves in the Lord. We're trusting in the Lord. We're doing good. And he's giving us the desires of our heart. And then the last, commit thy way unto the Lord. Again, trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. Commit. To give in trust to put in the hands of the Lord. You know, a lot is said today about commitment, people not wanting to make commitments, right? (laughs) Honey, you really have to make a commitment. You have to be willing to trust God and give your life to him. Otherwise, you're just sitting on the fence here, there, and everywhere. And ultimately, we, we do commit ourselves to something, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do. Yeah, we do. You're committed to your work or your family or whatever. But um, unless there's God in it big time, it's, it's not the right commitment. And it will prove frustrating, fruitless, depressing. Unhealthy. Unhealthy. That Carpenter quote I love where he says, you're either building up or tearing down. And if you're neutral, you're tearing down. So, hmm. Yes. Always be building. 
Yes. Now, um, Joe sent me this article. I, I have I was aware of it. I hadn't seen it in a long time. It's been in our church. I couldn't find it online. Is Joe on? Okay, well, I'll have her. I'll make sure it gets to, to Jeremy because it's a wonderful article and we'll put it online. And it is called, What Hast Thou in the House? And of course, it's about this lesson this week. And it's by Helen Spangler from an old Christian science journal. I think it was in the, in the um, 40s that she wrote this. So I'm going to read some of it to you because this is a perfect example of demonstrating supply using this story as an example. What hast thou in the house? This was a startling question Elisha asked of the widow who, who had appealed to him for help when the creditor came to take her two sons as bondmen. Her answer, not anything save a pot of oil, was not inspired by a knowledge of God's omnipotence, of his infinite bounty and benevolence, or by the realization of an ever-present loving father-mother but by a sense of widowhood and by the belief that her source of supply was dependent upon provision in a personal way and had been severed. Elisha awake to the truth of God as Father who satisfies all our needs must have instantly recognized her limited material sense of possession of a pot of oil as a very finite conception of her abundant heavenly heritage, which seem hidden by the material sense of lack, loss, poverty, and limitation. Elijah had made his inquiry, inquiry, doubtless hoping to awaken her to man's rich endowment as a child of God. His work was to arouse her from her sense of widowhood, her sense of incompleteness, of separation from God, to clear to the clear realization that because of God's ever presence, the supply was there for every need and it was at hand. Now this goes back to the watching point. What was her real need? Her real need was to understand God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. She needed to understand these principles. She needed to stop seeing herself as a poor widow whose supply had been cut off. She was asking for something else, but this was her real need. And then, when Elisha commanded the widow, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few, he was breaking the extreme sense of lack, fear, self-pity, the personal sense of God and man, by awakening her to see beyond the finite sense to the glorious realization of spiritual being and supply, regardless of the subtle arguments and disturbing pictures of poverty, loss, and distress, her ignorance of blindness to spiritual reality were dissipated, and she eventually glimpsed something of God's spiritual creation existing in ever-changeless harmony and affluence. You know, Christian scientists, I know a lot of people have trouble getting over this sense of limited supply, but Christian scientists have been known to be what? 
Wealthy. Wealthy. So please, I only say this because I don't want you to limit yourselves to realize it's possible to have abundance. The point is, is what's your motive? The point is of all these other things that we're talking about. All these other things have to come first. Just as, as uh, Florence explained, the person working at a job but was still wanted a new job but was still holding all this resentment. It's, it's line upon line, precept upon precept. But as you grow in this science, you should not be poverty stricken. If, if you just want it for selfish purposes, well, then that's not good. It's got to be to share and to bless others. I'm trying to say something. Well, I, it, it, I think there's a requirement here. Uh, and the requirement is to be trustworthy. God does not bestow his you know, abundance on people who are not trustworthy. We have to be trustworthy in God's eyes. God has to be able to trust us to not leave him and worship other gods or worship things instead of him. Which is what eventually happened to Solomon. It happens to a lot of people. It happens to a lot of so-called Christian scientists who become wealthy. When they start to worship the wealth instead of God, they lose it because they lose God. So this is, that, that is the requirement. And the answer, what do you have in your house? And you say nothing. Well, everybody has something. <laughs> and you've got to find that something and give of it. You can't hoard it and say, I don't have anything, so I'm not going to give anything. This article, it goes on, it's beautiful, but it goes on, tells about someone who is burdened and darkened by the belief of widowhood and loss. And she goes to a practitioner for help. And um, she says she has no money. She's hungry. And there's a great sense of hardness and bitterness in her thought, so that the pot of oil which she possessed was very small. Um, the patient was told that she needed to give, not just to get. Her answer was, what have I to give? I have nothing but debts. An effort was made to show her that if she had nothing to give, she could not expect to receive. She must realize that as God's reflection, she had much to share with others. Well, she didn't think so, okay? She didn't think so. And she thought the practitioner had a lot of nerve to say that because the practitioner obviously had, obviously had everything she needed. So how would she even know? And who was she to say anything to her? So she went off, kind of in a huff. But the thought was still there. It was still, you know, it was, it was in her. So then it said, After leaving the practitioner and alighting from the car in the business district, the patient stood for a moment wondering where to go. At that moment, she saw a woman of advanced years caught in the swirling traffic of the busy intersection, a look of terror on her face. So this woman darted through the cars to the woman's side and taking her arm assured her, we are perfectly safe here. You need not be afraid. The signal changed and they crossed to safety. As she thanked her rescuer, the woman said, you have saved my life. She had something to give, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she did. She did. 
So never think you don't have anything to give. Then something wonderful happened to the patient. She had found a large vessel of oil in her house, her consciousness, for she was filled with a great surge of love and gratitude. She had been able to help someone. She walked across the street to a bank where two days before she had been refused a position. But it was a different woman with a different voice who asked for an opportunity to serve. This time, she was given immediate employment. This is how it works. But if you hang back and say you don't have it and you can't do it, then, then, then you, there you will sit. And pe- people will feel it. And they will not have confidence in it. Yes. I remember when I first retired from my job and it took a while for them to straighten out, you know, the my retirement checks and stuff like that. And we were going through savings and things and I was getting pretty worried about it. But when, when I called Mary Beth about it and we talked about it and she said that God is the source of all supply and we just, um, we, I ended up getting a job out of nowhere like for um <clears throat> to paint a sign on a person's That's building right. on, uh, with the man lift which is a machine that you control to lift you up in the air to paint this huge sign on a metal building i've never done that before in my life but i did it and it, it's just it was enough money to get me through until the state you know worked out my paycheck and it, it was but i had said that you know oh, I do this or I never did this before no that's not the right job for me <laughs> it, it was a job that came up and I took it thank you, know? you. I remember that thank you yes it's a great example of that you don't balk when God not says, gives you something I can't do it I don't want to do it I'm 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 I got this degree and I'm yeah, you know yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. yep <laughs> No, and especially if God has told you. There's another example. This dear woman in Massachusetts who was given a job. It seemed like the lowliest job on earth. But she prayed diligently about it, and she took it. And that woman has so blessed this man who is in dire straits that he now, as far as I know, if you're on, hello. <laughs> as far as I know, he's listening to us. He's, he loves Christian science. He, he changed everything for him. And she could have refused it. Easily she could have refused it. But God told her to go and do it. And what a blessing. But what is your motive to do anything? It's always to bless. And in giving, you will receive. And in receiving, you must also give. So what is in your pot of oil? What do you have in the house? And this follows with the other lesson, with the feeding of the, of the multitudes. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And then, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> That's so much fun <laughs> to ask somebody when you already know what <laughs> Well, what do you think God would say? So Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may just take a little. 
And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Take what you have and work with what you have. God will multiply it. And Jesus knew this principle so completely. He had done all those things we said in the beginning. He trusted in the Lord. He did good. He delighted in the Lord. And he committed his way to the Lord. And he knew it. And look what happened. And this, can, this is available for everyone. But it cannot be misused. You cannot do it. Later he says, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. And then labor not for the meat which perish, perisheth, but for that meat, meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That's the work of God. To do this, to believe on the Christ, to understand these principles, to live them. And this, this is a lost element of healing, of supply. And we are so privileged to know it. I mean, we should all just run around and dance a jig. <laughs> Truly. How wonderful. Go ahead. No, to a large extent, I think we don't think of you know, the inexhaustible qualities of <clears throat> kindness, tenderness, honesty, and all of these things that we reflect from God as part of the supply. I think that um, it's more, oh, supply, okay, money in the bank, car, this, 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 instead yes. of these, in, you know, even more nobler and uh, just wonderful qualities from God that we have. That's right. And they never wear out. You know, that's in that article, um, True Vision, too, when people are dealing with their vision. People think their vision can wear out or get old or whatever. Well, no, no more than all these wonderful qualities. Seeing is, is a quality of God. So is health. So is supply. Florence, did you want to say something? No, I was just going to say, including health. I mean, it's, it's ours right. from it's God. Us. Supply, health, joy, all good things. And the more you seek God and his righteousness, learn to understand these principles and that you have to live them. You can't just do it and you can't do it for the loaves and fishes. You have to do it because you love God and delight in him. Then you'll be amazed at what happens. But again, that end product will not seem so important to you anymore. It, it is just a byproduct. You'll be grateful for it, and you'll be grateful because you can share it with others and help others. But it's God that we're grateful for, his presence and his power. Now, we're going to end with part of um, a wonderful article. I know you all know it. It's financed by Bicknell Young. Gary's just going to read a few excerpts. Can you see that if you have a consciousness of failure, inability, and poverty, it is impossible to change the manifestation of these things from the outside, since consciousness will outpicture itself no matter what you do. 
change consciousness. It is useless for you to try and think things into being. Do as Jesus did when he let the operation of mind take place. We see Jesus going through the simple steps of manifestation. He lifted his eyes to heaven and gave thanks. He had already disregarded the appearance and had, to, and had let go of thoughts of how, when, why, and where. This being outside, entirely out of his province. When we consider the conditions of life, we find it is sometimes impossible to bring into manifestation the desires of the heart. But when we come to surrender the thought-taking process, we discover that the power of God is greater than any and all instruments through or by which it functions. Jesus could do nothing of himself. Neither can you. Are you going to insist that you can and continue to struggle and fight with the manifestation, hoping to change something? If you have the consciousness of anything, it is eternal in the heavens and can be reproduced ad infinitum. But the thing that is produced is at the standpoint of disintegration. The reverse reasoning of this has resulted in man worshipping the thing instead of looking to the consciousness which sustains it. Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Take your attention away from the appearance and place it on me if you desire to see the desert blossom as the rose. The excitement of manifestation will drop away as it becomes natural for God to be revealed instead of demonstrated. Would you be surprised if your prayers were fulfilled? Until it becomes natural and normal, no very great thing can take place. It was thanksgiving and recognition that multiplied the loaves and fishes to the 5,000. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.